Welcome to this episode of Apple at Work, a podcast all about Apple in the enterprise, healthcare, education, and everywhere in between. My name is Bradley Chambers, and I'm your host as always. This week on the show, we have Wayman Jackson from Ed Farm. Wayman, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bradley. Glad to be here. Glad to connect with your listeners. Yeah, so you're not far from me. You know, we're talking off air. You're over in Birmingham, and I'm down in Chattanooga. So you're 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 not far from me. A couple hours, and I, I mean, I just have to ask: Are you? I mean, in the South, you're defined by who your football team is. So you're an Alabama fan, or you're an Auburn fan? I am an Alabama fan. So you are. Yeah. Well, I am. I, I finally can say this for the first time without you being able to say something back to me. I'm a massive Georgia fan. So uh, <laughs> I knew you were setting me up one way or another. <laughs> well, I sort of thought you'd be an Auburn fan. I don't know why. Uh, well, yeah, just I'll beat both of them last year. So that's true. <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know our listeners aren't in the South. It's like that's it's kind of like that's, you know, I always joke that the Braves could be in the World Series. But if Georgia's playing Florida, like everybody will watch Georgia at the bars. Uh, no, it was a good season. Finally, I mean, it was a good season for me. Braves finally won. Georgia finally won. Uh, you know, I, I told somebody, I was like, that Georgia finally won a championship in my lifetime because I wasn't alive for the last one. Uh, it, it it crossed a big bucket list off for me. I know as an Alabama fan, you've experienced that, what, seven out of the past 13 years. So, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> hey, so listen, that, it's important uh, here, especially in the South, that we tell people, like, especially when they come to Alabama, we're starting to recruit. You know, a lot of people here coming in, but you have to choose your allegiance, you know, quickly. We give you about a week and you've got to pick a side. It's either Alabama or Auburn. Uh, but then you see how that also translates across the Southeast uh, in the SEC uh, with, the, with this football culture. So it's, it's pretty wonderful uh, to, to, to see as, you know, relationship wise. Yeah. And that's, you know, jokingly, obviously it's all a good fun for everybody, but it is kind of like it's just it's what you do on Saturdays. It's part of the culture uh, down here in the South. So uh, as much as people want to gives a hard time about it it is just it's part of the culture um so but I'm, I'm glad to make the connection you, you all have been in the news a lot the past couple of years um so i mean i know even before covid there was a big project you all were working with apple so you kind of if you can take us back and, and who is ed farm you know that's a uh, a great question uh, one of the things that we like to tell kids when they're coming to our office our headquarters in birmingham uh, we'll bring students up uh, from the Black Belt, you know, an impoverished rural area uh, in Alabama uh, for coding camps now that things are, are open. Uh, and one of the questions we asked uh, kids, they were like, we were like, did you know where you were coming? And kids were like, I, I thought I was coming to a farm. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, we actually, are, we are not a farm. Uh, Ed Farm is a technology uh, education uh, startup, a nonprofit uh, headquartered in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, we had this unique story, uh, one which I love to tell. Um, uh, coincidentally, I just um, got back from uh, South by Southwest EDU, uh, where we had an opportunity to tell this story uh, to kind of that national education audience uh, down there. And so we had this amazing opportunity as a community uh, in Birmingham. And when you've been in Chattanooga, I'm sure you've seen, you know, like the, the growth of these smaller um, uh, southern urban, you know, cities becoming these technology hubs are vying uh, to become these technology hubs. Uh, in our community in Birmingham, uh, you know, kind of realizing in about 2012 uh, that we had to make changes in what we were doing, uh, one, to attract talent, uh, two, to retain talent, and then three, just to grow our economy. Uh, and a lot of that was beginning to look at how do we do that from an equity-based lens? Uh, how do we, you know, approach economic development, workforce development, and education, you know, from the lens of, you know, equity and making sure that everyone in the community that we serve uh, is actually able to participate in that community. 
Um, we had a newly elected mayor in 2017, uh, a young guy, uh, Randall Woodfin. Um, we had a lot of synergy from uh, the leaders in our community. We had really just gone on this journey uh, with burning glass technologies uh, around, you know, what's, what is our economy going to look like over the next 10 years? You know, are we prepared from a workforce perspective? Uh, is our education system prepared? Um, and what we found out was that we were not. Uh, we were like many other communities. We were like many other communities that had a misaligned uh, workforce, uh, misaligned uh, two-year and four-year uh, educational institutions, misaligned from industry. Uh, and that's literally what these recommendations came back from that burning glass report and told us. So um, we basically were, were armed with the data of new Knowing what it would take for us to move to the next level. Um, you know, of course, in Alabama, you know, Tim Cook is from Alabama. Uh, and we had this amazing opportunity uh, to go and visit uh, Chicago in early uh, in April 2017. And literally a group of about 13 leaders. We embarked on this journey to go look at what was Apple doing with the city of Chicago, uh, with Chicago public schools and with the two year system up there. Uh, to expose their students and teachers uh, and others in the community to coding. Uh, it had been made no secret by, by, uh, by Tim Cook and Apple that they wanted to uh, expose more individuals, especially in underserved areas, uh, to computer science and higher level STEM training. Uh, so armed with that, uh, a group of us that included our local school superintendent from Birmingham, uh, two-year college president, uh, members of our four-year uh, educational system from UAB, uh, the mayor, myself, uh, another young man, Dion Gordon, who led our technology association here. Uh, we went you know, to Chicago. Uh, we learned about what they were doing. Uh, we came back and implemented a program uh, in Birmingham called uh, Birmingham Can Code, where we were partnering with the two-year college system here, Lawson State Community College, Birmingham City Schools, and the city of Birmingham uh, to train students in swift computer, computer uh, science um, over the course of the summer. From that, our dream basically grew to this one-and-a-half-year uh, pitch uh, our relationship or cultivating a relationship with Apple uh, and why we wanted them to invest in the work that we were trying to do in Birmingham. Uh, and so essentially we told them that, you know, we had an underskilled workforce. Uh, we knew that by the year 2025, we would have 10 times as many jobs available uh, for people who needed a computer science degree than we actually had uh, individuals to fill them coming out of our two and four year institutions. Uh, we knew that we had some uh, small, you know, boot camps and internships and co-op programs uh, for STEM, but we knew that we needed more. Uh, we knew that uh, as a, a K-12 system in Birmingham that we were under-resourced, uh, that we, and also that we were not teaching uh, uh, STEM and computer science at the level that it needed to be taught, and mainly because we needed to have the educators uh, upskilled, you know, pro from professional development to be able to do that. Uh, we knew that we had a lot of barriers in the community that kept people from accessing training uh, as well. Uh, so literally what we put in front of Apple was this idea for Ed Farm to serve as an, uh, a startup entity that helped our, our area radically rethink 
education and radically rethink uh, training as it relates to underserved communities, um, uh, not only just in Birmingham, but across the country. Uh, what we came up with that uh, was our signature teacher fellows program, uh, which is uh, professional development that we do uh, with educators in the K-12 system. And we started primarily with Birmingham City Schools. So we're actually you know, training educators on the devices that they have in their classrooms uh, to use. Uh, and then they, in turn, take that training uh, and and in, incorporate that into their uh, curriculum with students. Uh, we have a student fellows program, which is more of a, a middle school introduction to digital skills uh, and workforce opportunities for students who are using challenge-based learning to address civics uh, issues, uh, you know, Via their, via, their, via their devices. So they're using iMac and Clips and iMovie and all those different things to come up with creative uh, problem-solving uh, uh, solutions. Uh, and then we have this uh, coding boot camp uh, because we knew about the barriers that existed for individuals in our community, adult learners, to access computer science and training and STEM uh, that runs uh, 10 to 11 weeks. And we provide them with devices, which are, which are Macs, we provide them with an iPad, and we provide all of the instruction and also additional stipends that help them to succeed through that training. And then we connect them uh, with employment uh, in the technology ecosystem uh, in Birmingham. Uh, so that's the, you know, the, the story of, you know, Ed Farm launching uh, in 2020 uh, in February. Um, what we like to say is that, you know, we, we, we came to be before the pandemic. And so we were kind of on the front end. Uh, of knowing, you know, this this virtual and digital change that was occurring uh, in education, and so we we that's our, our general story of where we are now. Uh, but it's so much more out there uh, for how our vision uh, is being set for what we're doing for the future. This episode of Apple at Work is sponsored by Kanji. Kanji is an Apple device management and security platform built exclusively for organizations that run on Apple. Kanji is a modern cloud-based platform for centrally managing and securing your Mac iPhone, iPads, and even Apple TV devices. Kanji will save your team countless hours with features like one-click compliance templates, 150-plus pre-built automations, apps, and workflows. Kanji focuses on automations that keep repetitive tasks to a minimum and devices working in their desired state. Kanji offers a growing library of pre-built automations and workflows coupled with a modern and intuitive user interface. They approach everything from the lens of how can they reduce the amount of time it takes for an IT department to ensure that their Apple fleet is secure and running at maximum efficiency. So a couple key features just to remind you. Pre-built automations enforced by their macOS agent that can automatically remediate devices. Zero-touch deployment for new device rollouts. An app store so users can do a self-service for new apps instead of asking IT. Automated software patching. Managed macOS updates and upgrades. One-click compliance templates. Pre-built security controls. Again, Kanji is growing like crazy. Last year, they secured a $60... Kanji is growing like crazy as well. They secured a $60 million Series C funding to drive growth and innovation in the Apple enterprise management space. They have three features that I want to call out that launched recently. A self-service, an app giving end users access to a select library of applications and tools. They can download them when they want, what can get what they need without getting IT involved. Passport. It allows you to give users a login experience that feels native to the Mac and leverages your SSO credentials for a more secure login with just one password for your users to remember. 
And finally, Kanji left off. End users say freshly unboxed Mac transform itself into an enterprise-ready computer with all the right apps, settings, and security controls in place. IT can, teams configure this once, and it deploys to all their devices without ever touching them. We'll have a link to learn more about Kanji in the show notes, but check them out. If you're in a situation where you're needing help managing your fleet of Apple devices, check out Kanji. And you all were in the, uh, the news recently. There was a, a school system down in southwest Georgia um, that is rolling out a big Apple deployment with a with a coding initiative. And, and that's really one of the ways I first heard of you all. Um, can you give us any idea of, uh, you know, how you all came to be with that project and, and really the goals there? Yeah, absolutely. So Doherty County, uh, which is, you know, where, where Albany is, uh, Georgia, uh, we recently, you know, had an announcement uh, with them to you know, take our programming uh, and partner with them. One of the things that we saw uh, when I came on as CEO uh, in April um, was that, you know, there were more communities outside of just Birmingham City Schools that were interested in the work that we were doing. Um, I think that the pandemic for us played a role in helping us to uh, expand on the work that we were doing more quickly uh, than we probably would have done um, uh, in the past, uh, post the pandemic or, or pre-pandemic. So along the way, when we were having this conversation with Apple about the work and stuff that we were doing in Birmingham, one of the things that we realized when we were working with this global company, this, you know, the most innovative company in the world, uh, was that they actually kept pushing us, you know, to think about the solutions that we were trying to come up with for Birmingham, but that, you know, hey, there are way more communities out there uh, that are similarly situated, you know, to Birmingham. And so if you get this, you know, these solutions right for an area like Birmingham, which is, you know, 70 percent. Uh, African-American. Uh, it has this history uh, of, uh, you, know, you know, just not having the right, you know, mix and the right uh, alignment uh, in the school system and um, that there are other communities out there uh, that, you know, kind of fit this bill. And so that's part of the ingredient, you know, that we're actually looking at. And we started looking at in different communities. So we had a ton of civic engagement uh, for what we did and were able to launch in birth in Birmingham. And that was one of the things that we began to look at in, in other communities. So before we even got to Doherty, uh, we made uh, a strategic decision to also uh, take our programming to uh, the city of Montgomery, Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, we have also expanded our work into Atlanta, Georgia, uh, to Atlanta public school systems. Uh, and then uh, this most recent announcement was with Doherty County. And so what we began to see uh, in these urban districts um, that they are, you know, hungry for opportunities uh, for their educators and their students to have, you know, additional um, learning as it relates to uh, computer science and coding. Uh, and so in each of those areas that we're operating, uh, we're bringing our teacher fellows program again, which is, you know, an immense amount of professional development for that educator who now has that device in their hand. It is making that entire experience in that classroom very immersive. Uh, our student fellows program, again, which helps uh, these middle school students have the opportunity uh, to learn to become, you know, good digital citizens. Uh, one of the things that we were able to do uh, in Alabama uh, is to get that student fellows program uh, it's an actual uh, uh, certified middle school elective as, as a state elective. Uh, and so that's also one of the things that we're beginning to work on as we expand uh, into areas uh, like Doherty. Uh, we've had the opportunity, you, you did ask how, but we've had the opportunity to work closely with uh, leaders at Apple 
and, and, and just kind of identifying areas that, you know, they've worked in uh, in the past and they know that they may have uh, devices and they know that there's um, excellent leaders at a school district like Doherty County that are looking for additional uh, ways, you know, to engage their students and engage the faculty. And so that's also been very helpful uh, as we've identified other areas to, to, to work in. One of the things you said really resonated with me. And, and I think that's a, a, it's the step that I think a lot of big implementations miss. There is no other subject other than coding. Like we, we all think it's like a good skill. I think it's good for people to be exposed to it. I don't do I think everybody's going to be a developer. No, but I think it's like good to be exposed to this uh, just as in some way it's, it's good. Like if you're, I'm not a plumber, but I, it's good for me to know how, to know how toilets work. I'm not an HVAC repairman, but it's good to know the basics of my heating and air. Like it's part of life now, like code is part of our life. And so it's good to have, be exposed to it. It's good to have the basics down. It's good to be able to have an intelligent conversation with people. But I think there's this often this mismatch of where people want to be and then how to get there. And, it, and it's uh, like, hey, we want kids to learn coding. So we buy the devices. It's like, great. Who teaches it? It's hard. It's, 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 you know, the, the deployments or the implementations for coding that fail are the ones where they say, well, the, why can't the English teacher do it? We gave them a book. Why can't the, why can't the regular computer teacher do it? We gave them a book. Um, maybe they can do it, but maybe they need training a lot of it for over a long period. So it may be one of those things where you may have this vision. It's like, Hey, we want to be, uh, have this program in our school after school program, whatever, like, you know, a class an elective, you want to have that great. Who, who, who are you training? How much time are you spending training them? What resource are you giving them to be successful? Because for really, even without that initial training for teachers, the students will only be able to go as far as the teacher knows. And so you really have to start with the empowering teachers first. And again, that may be hiring somebody from the outside. That may be taking an existing teacher and training them and making that key part of their job. Again, you would not launch like a foreign language class and say like, well, hey, we're doing a French class. Well, why can't the Spanish teacher teach French? Why can't the English teacher teach? Why can't the math teacher teach French? You you invest in the people that are going to teach it because it doesn't work otherwise. Otherwise, it's just you might as well just give the kids the iPads and the apps and let them do their thing. Um, and so it really just kind of struck me just, you know, you're, you're the focus there on empowering people at the top. So it, it really permeates uh, permeates down. Um so where do you, what's next for Ed Farm? Where, you know, obviously you, you all have had some big projects um, through the pandemic. And, and again, really, you know, kind of born and bred of, during a pandemic, um, have these big, you know, a big announcement recently with a school down in Albany, Georgia. What's next on the horizon? Do you, what's your five, 10 year vision? Yeah, no, great question. Um, and you just, I mean, you really opened up uh, in me. My excitement is around, um, workforce development. It, it, it really is around equipping, you know, people with the tools that they need uh, to do what it is that they want to do. Um, that's that's part of our vision. It's that, you know, we want to create this inventive world where all people have access to the tools they need to fill or create the jobs of the future. Our all really sits at this place or this intersection of, you know, oftentimes it it, it, it is those who are underserved and underrepresented that don't typically fit in the all of you know who actually gets the opportunity, and so you just gave me something else. When you met, when we empower teachers first, you know that is absolutely 
correct. Uh, you know, that is where we start. Uh, you know, my 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 just you know thesis of how I hold Ed Farm and what we're doing is, is that schools actually sit at the center you know, of a community. And our approach has been really one to embrace the community. You know, how do you actually create and do, you know, community change through, you know, an initiative like Ed Farm? And so when you think about that school sitting at the center of a community, it means that everything that is in that community actually comes into that student brings any ill, you know, any any positive, whatever it may be, it could be homelessness, it could be um, uh, food insecurity, it could be issues with violence, mental health, that student brings all of that uh, into that school every single day. And so our goal and our job is to try to use those schools, be a partner with the educators to come up with what those solutions you know need to be exactly uh, for, for those students and, and for that particular community. So when you think about you know, Ed Farm in the future, you know, where do we go from here? Uh, we are building, you know, community through schools. And, you know, a lot of it really starts, as you mentioned, uh, by empowering those those teachers first. Uh, and, and so this this opportunity for us is like this, you know, once in a lifetime, I'd say holistic workforce development approach um, that you can actually take at um, you know, equipping individuals. And so, as you mentioned, you know, it's not, it's not just that you give the device and then you walk away from it. I think we've been able to benefit uh, as an organization from learnings that, that Apple had uh, as they were working, you know, I think through Connect Ed and, and other initiatives that, that they've uh, worked through. Uh, that's one of the benefits that, you know, by us being a, us being a, a young, a young organization, uh, we get this unique opportunity to work closely um, you know, with individuals from Apple Professional Learning and, you know, their team just on, you know, everything that they've learned, you know, in the course of their career and the work that they've been doing. So we can try to uh, help help them and, and improve on that and enhance that. Um, you know, so you get this opportunity, again, as I was talking about the, the workforce component of it to, you know, engage with educators, you know, because industry is always saying that, you know, we want, this is what we want on the back end, um, as the, you know, the outcome, the employer, but where does that actually start? And that starts, you know, with everyone who actually has their hands on that person um, that's learning or that's being trained. And so um, we're in this space where we're actually, we're, we're building that. And that's what the future looks like. It looks like um, an educator who has consistent training and our program actually is interdisciplinary. It is not just going towards the, the you know, just the math teacher or just the computer science teacher. Our teacher fellows program like pulls in cross-disciplinary educators, whether it's history, English, because they need to know those skills, you know, as well. And they stay in there for a year and then move out and they got, you know, continuous support. And, you know, you bring another class um, into that. Um, you start looking at, you know, how that influences, you know, the student, you know, by what that student is also learning, uh, and they continue to have exposure, exposure to that throughout, you know, their entire life cycle of, of, of being in school. If, if we do this successfully and are immersed completely within a district, that's what happens. Um, it, another part of the uniqueness of this, as, as I kind of paint this picture of the future, is that what we're doing and, and, and some of the aspects of why it's actually been successful is because we've been able to align our work to existing uh, state standards or things that um, educators and schools were already having to work towards. For instance, in Alabama, uh, one of our state standards is that by 
um, I think the year 2022, uh, every uh, middle school, every school had to have, you know, basically a computer science trained or computer science educated, you know, teacher. Uh, our program actually helped to do that. So when we came in to begin working in Birmingham and, and as we've expanded across the state, we weren't adding a layer on uh, to something that teachers already had. Uh, we were actually enhancing and, and helping them move closer to goals that had already been set by them. Um, so, you know, for us, as we move into the future, you know, of this work, you know, it is, um, you know, one, we want to be doing this as, as, in, as in many places as possible where we are the right fit, you know, for that. Again, I go back to, um, you know, the ingredients that we look for uh, in a community uh, to make a decision of, you know, hey, if, if this is the right fit to, be, to work with this school, you know, that takes a, a huge amount of engagement civic engagement, business engagement, um, as well as, you know, engagement from, you know, that particular district. Um, going back to this piece where I mentioned about the school sitting at the, uh, the center, um, in, um, you know, a, a couple of weeks, uh, we'll be actually announcing uh, one of the, the last components that we actually pitched, um, uh, you know, to Apple, and it was really positioning, you know, Birmingham and the work that we're doing to be this epicenter um, of solutions-based uh, change in, in education. And uh, it was around this education technology accelerator. Uh, and so we are actually in the process of launching um, an education innovation uh, accelerator challenge uh, where we are using uh, the schools, the information that we're working with, with educators and students um, to, you know, what are the issues that uh, are, are being faced uh, by students? This, um, our recent, uh, um, the, this first iteration of that, we're going to focus on uh, student and teacher mental health. And so uh, we will have a convening in Birmingham uh, in April where we're asking, you know, um, uh, best and brightest leaders uh, from across the country who are engaged and involved uh, in mental health uh, solutions uh, to come and share with us uh, around this. Uh, we have the opportunity to provide um, uh, resources and funding uh, to fund um, uh, tech-enabled uh, solutions uh, for this. And, and I would say tech-enabled, you know, services uh, that, you know, help, um, th that help provide solutions for um, uh, student mental health and, and teacher mental health. Um, you know, that's, that's a huge, um, issue with that, you know, coming out of the pandemic. That's been an issue, especially in urban uh, underfunded and underserved communities prior to the pandemic, but we're seeing even more um, of that now. You know, I told somebody the other day, I think, it's, you know, I'm approaching 40 and I was, um, was like in college when the Iraq war was going on the early parts of it. So I was in the selective service draft uh, and so for those of you that if you're not a male in the U.S., if you don't know what that is, is every male would turn 18 has to register for the selective service draft. And if the U.S. ever needed to, they could basically draft you into the armed services. So I had to uh, I was, had joined that during that period. I was newly married when the big recession hit, been married about a year. Um, and then I had three small children during a pandemic and during said pandemic, uh, I don't know if you remember the tornadoes that came through Chattanooga in Easter of 2020, but we had like, I mean, we didn't get hit directly, but we had about $50,000 worth of damage to our house. Um, I had to move out for a week, didn't have power for a week. 
And I said, you know, I think I'm, I'm, it's been a hard, um, it's been a hard, uh, yeah, I don't know, 20 years or so, 19 years. And there's like been five once in a lifetime things that have happened to me in 20 years. And obviously I'm a very blessed person, but it's still, there's a lot of just challenges there. And I think I'm finally coming to the realization that it's, it's okay not to be okay. And I think the admitting sometimes you're like, life is hard. Like I, I, you know, I don't know any other way to say it other than life is, life is hard. It's real hard. I think I I was watching Ted last a few weeks ago and and he said that. And, and I think there's that, um, you know, you think when you're like a kid, you think like your dad's got it all figured out. Your mom's got it all figured out or your grandparents. And then you become that age and you realize that they're actually more clueless than they were before. And, um, and it's hard. And so I, I think that, you know, if, if we feel that that pressure today as adults and kids bear those burdens um, with the, you know, we have the fear of what we know, the kids often have the fear of what they don't know. And so I think there's going to be a real need for that. Um, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of kids who um, like my oldest son is going into sixth grade next year. Um, his last school year that was hundred percent normal was second grade. And that is weird to think about and to kind of ponder the, the, and he's been fortunate. They've been in school almost. I mean, they were out of school the first part of the pandemic, the, you know, that, that last quarter of the year, but then they've mostly been in school since then. Um, but there's a lot of kids who haven't even had any semblance of a normal school year in two years. And I don't know that we know the damage, um, or the, 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 the cost of, of that it's going to have with their education, how far behind they are, how does that affect them emotionally, socially? Um, and so it's great to see organizations kind of really coming alongside schools and, Hey, we're going to help you with a lot of things. We're going to help you with this emerging field, but also we're, we're, we're just here to help and we're here to listen and we're here to support you. Um, it's, you know, education is hard. It is um, there's, there's a lot of work for a lot, not a lot of outward success. Um, and you don't often know if you're doing a good job. So it's, it's awesome to see you all kind of taking those, taking those reins. And it's great to see Apple recognizing the value that you bring, um, you know, particularly with these, with these uh, underserved areas that it's real easy just, just to forget about them and to, to think, Oh, you know, I mean, there's some states are big. There's a lot of, there's a lot of small towns that, uh, are good. There are good families, good kids, good businesses, and, and particularly areas that maybe the businesses have left. And the, and the the cool thing about remote work is if you can get these kids trained in jobs they can do remotely, they can stay in these small towns and build them back up, and they can support businesses. Restaurants can open, uh, places can open uh, because it's not like you've got to. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Tacoma, Georgia. It's down kind of west of Athens, my wife's grandparents are from there. And and obviously like all the manufacturing has gone from there. And you know, there's still it's a small town. There are doctors' offices and businesses, but it's it's not a place like you, you know, fresh out of college, you you kind of come and set up shop, you know, unless again you're going to be a doctor, you know, you're kind of there opening a business for there, but there's not big industry there. Uh and so it's awesome to see that you know people now they can have these remote jobs and and keep these small towns alive and thriving and pay taxes and support these businesses. You are absolutely right. Um, and let me say that it takes a lot of courage, um, you know, to, t- to have this type of self-reflection and, and share what, you know, what you just shared. Um, life is hard. And, you know, and we are, we, we all, you know, have different viewpoints on how we, um, you know, we get through it. Um, and, and so that takes a lot of courage. And when you think about, 
um, you know, students uh, and then educators who may not even, you know, have the uh, emotional maturity, um, you know, to be able to respond to that and just know that it's okay um, to have that conversation and to say that um, you start, you know, really seeing and feeling, you know, what all this, you know, just bottled up, you know, inside of someone and you never really know you know, the, why this student might be performing the way this student is performing, why you can't get the best, you know, out of them. And so that's why, I, I, you know, my hats offer to uh, to educators uh, in, in what they do to try to inspire. I have a nine-year-old son who's uh, at a, um, a Birmingham City School magnet, uh, magnet program now, uh, but you can just tell, you know, that, um, you know, educators have to, they bring a lot. And, you know, when I sit and look and see some of the, um you know, for his friends and other students and, and see what they possibly bring, you know, with them every single day. Um, you know, you know, that's an issue uh, there and one that we're, you know, happy to be in the business and have the opportunity um, to, uh, to, to help try to, you know, solve or alleviate. And so, you know, what we're really looking to do with just in that space is, you know, we know there's a lot of ed tech, you know, products um, that are out there and, you know, a lot of ed tech solutions, you know, again, we're really trying to position ourselves to be that intermediary, to be that listener, to be that um, space where, you know, if we have great entrepreneurs in the community uh, or great entrepreneurs nationally, that they have someone that they can come to. And and literally, you know, we want to be able to say, especially at a local level, that this is what our community needs. Um, and so can you, you know, let's develop solutions, you know, based off of what it is that this community is saying that they need or what these educators uh, are actually saying uh, that they need. You know, we've done some, you know, preliminary research uh, on that. And, and it shows a little bit that, you know, there are uh, oftentimes there are, you know, ed tech, you know, products that uh, are developed uh, with great intentions, um, but, you know, might not have the um, the research and backing and support behind them that uh, actually, you know, said why this educated, why, why does this school system you know, need that? And then we also know that there are great solutions and great products out there that never really get connected and make it uh, to that, you know, to the school level, because, um, you know, it's not easy at times to connect, you know, with a district or with uh, a school leader or a teacher uh, to get that, you know, really well-intended and well-meaning product that might've been developed, you know, with the research behind it, uh, you know, to actually be at a place where, where people can use it. And so, you know, we really want to stand in that gap uh, and be that trusted uh, service uh, that helps facilitate, you know, that discussion and helps incentivize and, and spur it on. Um, you know, again, we, we've got the opportunity uh, with some support to, to invest in some really cool ideas uh, and ideas that we, you know, know will actually meet the mark uh, for what, for what's, what, what we're trying to do. Well, and this has been a great conversation. Um, I thanks, thank you for your time today. It's been awesome learning more about really what you all do more than just what I've read in articles. So it, it's always, it's, you know, there's, there's always more to the story. And so I'm glad we got to, to have this conversation. Our listeners get to kind of learn more about you all. We'll have links to the articles that nine to five Mac has covered uh, about you all over the past couple of years, but also we'll have links to Ed farms website. So if folks want to get involved more, uh, learn ways to get involved. Um, we'll have those links there. So uh, Wayman, thanks for coming on the show. And then we'll have you on again soon. Uh, to talk more about what's happening down in Albany. Listen, thank you. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, look forward to coming back. Uh, I, I am appreciative of, uh, of our board at Ed Farm, uh, of our, uh, we ha- have the opportunity for actually our board chair, 
uh, Anthony Oney, who is, uh, you know, who we kind of lift up as the actual founder uh, of this work out of Birmingham. Uh, and then for us to have the great support that we have from other uh, corporate entities uh, like Alabama Power and Birmingham as well, um, it has been, you know, tremendously valuable for us. So appreciate this and, and thanks for having me on.